You do, it's a two pump chump. It rhymes. <laughs> I wanted I wanted to give him a name. Okay, <laughs> it was alliteration over rhyming for me. Okay. Oh my god! Leave, leave me the fuck alone, Jesus. He's a two pump Tim. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of I Finally Watched. This is David, and this is Alon, and I finally watched the boat that rocked. Which, when it came over to the U.S., they gave the much more boring, lame name, Pirate Radio. So, this came out in 09. I was in law school, or yeah, about to start law school around that time. And I remembered hearing about this movie. And it was called The Boat That Rocked. It was over, it was released in Britain first. And I was like, that's such a fucking awesome title. And then... It came to the U.S. I remember if it was in theaters or just on DVD, and they renamed it Pirate Radio. And I was like, that's lame as shit. And so I went out of my way to buy the Blu-ray from the United Kingdom so that my copy said The Boat That Rocked, because I'm a fucking nerd, apparently. And I also realized, I Who guess... This, yeah, right? This also is like 25 minutes longer, um, which I love this movie. So 25 more minutes of it was great to me because... This isn't like, we, we do a lot of movies where we talk about this, but this isn't like a plot movie. Like, there is a, obviously a plot to this, but like, to me, I just enjoy these characters. Like, I like hanging out with them. It's a comedy, so I was like, you know, the more, the better. Um, and I don't actually even think I've seen the shorter version of this, because it's like, it's not streaming. I had to like, let you borrow a copy, so. Um, but I love this movie. It's like one of my favorites that I like to tell people about that no one have heard of. And I made you watch it. So what'd you think? <laughs> or they heard of it under the different title. So they still have no idea what you're talking about. Well, I mean, when you when you said that we're gonna do this, I knew this was a movie that had like controversy for its title. Um and when uh, I'm watching it. And the title card pops up and it says The Boat That Rocked. I was like, oh, is that the title it changed it to? And you thought that was the lame title, but you thought Pirate Radio was the cool title. So then when I go to look up the cast information about this and I type in Pirate Radio, it it's first like, Oh, pirate radio was a movement in the 1960s about British airwaves and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, okay, so then I'm going to type in The Boat That Rocked. And it's like, oh, the 2009 film. So it's like Google knew it as The Boat That Rocked. And I just confused it by calling it Pirate Radio. If you go on IMDb, it's called The Boat That Rocked. But then the poster says Pirate Radio. So It's funny, you know, watching the movie, it, it says Pirate Radio. But then, like, I think Philip Seymour Hoffman says, the boat that rocked. And then the boat's name is uh, Rock Radio, right? Yeah, and then I think it says, yeah, I think Radio Rock, something like that. Yeah, I can't exactly remember. This is based off, like, a um, a real story. And, like, the I think it was, like, Caroline was the name of the boat. that There was a bunch of these ships that... Uh, Radio Caroline was the name of the ship, and there was a bunch of them back then, but the one that sunk 
was Radio Caroline, and then there's like an amalgamation of a bunch of stories. So it's like they took like a tr- some true events and then sort of just made this fictionalized account around it, um, which I, I, I enjoy too. I like when you're just upfront with like, yeah, this is a true story, but not really. Like it's historical fiction. I like the just kind of being upfront with it and then playing with that idea. But with this movie though, it's fairly obvious because of like. The representation of the government is one of the funniest parts to me, but it's also like, it's just like tweaked a little bit to where it's like, I mean, I guess I could believe the government would do that, but like, so cavalier, we're just like, no, those people can die, you know? Um, They would probably do that, I guess. There's a couple of lines in the movie that I feel like are, uh, how do I say this, like, that's obviously what the filmmaker thinks of government as a whole. But then I can very well imagine that that is, I mean, that is the way the government is. And a lot of people would agree with this thought is, uh, so one of the lines is when uh, Kenneth Branagh, right, is plays Alice, Bur- like the one of the, huh? Kenneth Branagh. Branagh, yeah. Uh, plays one of the um, parliament guys. Uh, he says something along the lines of, uh, oh, you know, Twat, which is the name of another character, which is absolutely amazing. He goes, you know, Twat, we're the government. So if there's something we don't like, we can just make a law to abolish it. Right. Right. And then the other the other line is, I think Philip Seymour Hoffman says this, or maybe Bill Nye says this. And he says, um, I think it was Bill. And he says, you know, the it's the government. um, and 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 the thing that the government hates the most is giving people their freedom. So it, it, it's it, it you know you know where the filmmakers stand on the government and its ways and and whether you you like the government or not, uh, it's it's true, especially back in the sixties. Well, yeah, and this is a different one too. Do you know this director? Do you know what else he did? What other movies? Uh, no, what. Love Actually and About Time. Oh, that's funny. Because I was I was talking about... Um, I was describing this movie to my wife. And one of the things I just said, I was like, you know, there's a lot of people in Love Actually. And she was like, oh. Yeah, I mean, British big, movie. Yeah, big <laughs> British movie, right? Um, and the other reason I wanted to do this movie is just Philip Seymour Hoffman, right? Like, I think this is... This part's, like, almost a little bit beneath him, like a lot of parts are that he's done, right? But he fucking makes it his own so much. He's so great in it. You know, he's, like, a great orator. So when he's talking, like, in the DJ booth or just talking with Carl or whatever, it's always just, like, elevated because he's doing it. And, um, like, I love him in this movie. Uh, Like, he's just, like, a dude I want to hang out with. Like, obviously, I would have wanted to hang out with him, right? Um but him and then it's either Rice or Reese uh, Ifans, the guy who plays mm-hmm. uh, Gavin. Like right. that that section of the movie where Gavin shows up up until the end when the boat starts sinking is my favorite part of it. Those two just together are fucking amazing in this, and that's why I love this. The acting that that Philip Seymour Hoffman does when Gavin comes back on board, um, how, how he's just. He's hurt, and and we know why. You know, like that's obvious to us. 
but the subtle in his act, the subtlety in his acting that he's like, he's hurt that this guy is basically going to replace him or so he thinks is great. And he didn't need to be that good. Like there was no reason to be that good. The whole thing is like you said, a historical fiction comedy, but, um, everything from when they're climbing the ship's mass and everything like that. And his, uh, his acting towards Gavin is so, is so layered, but you know, like he's, that's just Philip Seymour Hoffman bringing his 100%. Yeah. And, and the last thing before we get started is the music is like one of the things I love. I love every single song they play in this movie, I think is great. And like, the licensing must have been most of the budget for this. Right, right, right. Actually, you know, when I first saw the trailers for this, it was like the music that was... Um, it was the music that I was like, oh, I really, really want to watch this. Just the music that they used in the trailer. But I, I guess it must have been the marketing was so bad because I'm pretty sure I saw the trailer like once or twice. I was like, wow, I really want to see this. And then it came and went in the movie theater and I never went to see it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, it's a smaller, especially cause it's coming from another country. It's like, they don't, they're not going to put a ton into the movie and hope it just kind of has a, a word of mouth thing going for it. Um, so let's get started. One thing I, you know, we've talked before about like whether going into a movie blind or, or watching the, you know, one trailer or all three trailers, like what's the most effective way. And what I like about, the, you know, you, t- when I asked you what you thought about the movie, you're like, I liked it, but it's very long. You know, it's two hours and 15 minutes. And one thing that, that makes it feel longer is there's not really any exposition. They have, like, the titles in the beginning explaining the scenario and where we're at, like, with the British government and pirate radio, which takes a couple minutes. And then that's it. That like So the exposition is handled in that, and then the rest of it is just, like, full movie like you know with everything already explained well I, I was trying to explain to my dad what this movie was about and he knew about pirate radio in the 60s actually he when he lived in london it was during that time so he knew of the movement very well and so that part about it was easily explained to him i was like it's London in the 60s and it's about pirate radio. And he was like, yeah, okay, cool. And then he was like, but what's the movie about? And I was like, uh, it's... and the best way I knew to describe it was, is like, there's this kid who comes on board the pirate radio to find his father amongst the rapscallions on the ship. And I was like, I, I guess that's the plot. But like you said, there's not really a plot beyond. Because honestly, the whole thing with the government is so almost like cartoonishly handled and dealed with that that's not really the plot, even though that's I almost see that as like the catalyst to move the characters in a direction. But the actual plot is just the relationship building that the young man has with all of the different types of dudes on the ship. Uh yeah, right. Yeah. I mean the 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 pic the the picture you get of like the British government and the conflict with them is like cartoonish, right? But I mean the British government did try and outlaw rock and roll music, which is just so funny to me with the music that is like on the radio now or that you can listen to on YouTube. 
it like that that was what we were trying to get rid of it's just funny like how society keeps going like that was the that the, that was the cross that they were willing to die on yeah. right like that this is going to turn our it reminds me of like season four of stranger things like dungeons and dragons is going to lead the country into ruin um let's let's get into it i love like the beginning of it there's just so many fucking funny lines bill nye is fucking perfect in this movie like i could not think of anyone else to make that character and i love when he's like he carl walks in he's like my favorite godson have we met (laughs) (laughs) well even before that when it's just showing like it shows this like little kid in like this strict British household and he sneaks the radio in his bed and then it's intercut with like a bunch of kids sneaking the radio in their bed and then like some night nurses listening to the radio and then obviously Philip Seymour Hoffman is the best person to kind of jumpstart this whole movie um but then Bill Nye is has this like it say what you want about thick Kevin but as soon as he's like yeah, my mother sent me on this ship to like whip me into shape. And I was like, yeah, that makes no fucking sense at all. <laughs> I think Kevin, what was that? I guess, was he drunk? He's like, yeah, when I have a little bit, I actually get pretty smart. Um, <laughs> I also they should call me clever, Kevin. I also like the continual jokes about everyone knows his mom. And like, you've come to find out like biblically knows his mom who is um, played by Emma Thompson, uh, which I think is probably like the perfect person to cast in that role. Another person from Love Actually, yes. I mean, she is, she's, I love Bill Nye's because even before we know, we see it's Emma Thompson as his mom, right? Bill Nye describes his mom to him like, um, wow, your mom is is a fox. Like, your mom is so hot. He's like, oh, don't talk to my mom about that. He's like, no, 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 listen. She's your mom, so you see her as your mom. <laughs> but a guy my age, with a woman, with a woman her age. <laughs> oh, no, he said she's a sexual legend to people of my age, which is even worse. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's even worse. And then, and then when she leaves the boat, she comes to visit him during Christmas, <laughs> and she's like, "Tell, uh, tell Mark it was a wonderful night." And he's like, "No, no, no." no! <laughs> Great, yeah. Yeah, great. Um, the next part with the game with Thick Kevin, which it's like, it's a version of charades. I don't even know what you call it. It's a version of charades, but instead of acting out, you can just talk, right? It's almost like taboo, um, yeah. that game. But I love nice guy, long hair, had friends, no shoes. And every, like, fucking Philip Seymour off is like, oh, I know what it is. <laughs> like, uh, my, my favorite one. My favorite one is just every time he's trying to guess um, the character, the main character, his name's David. Carl. Carl. Is it? Okay. Yo, yeah, young, young Carl, right? Yeah. They, um, he was like, why didn't you just said lives in Sherwood Forest and has a bow and arrow? <laughs> or like, why didn't you just say he was a son of God? And Thick Evans like, was he? <laughs> was he? I didn't know that. Well, I love, too, at the beginning when they're about to play, he's like, don't worry, Thick Kevin is just a nickname. And uh, Nick Frost, who plays Dave, just laughs. He's like, oh, no, it was Chris O'Dowd who plays Simon. He's like, yeah, just the nickname. (laughs) (laughs) 
So yeah, that that was a great like character introduction and how like we got to know all the characters very quickly. Um and then they saved like the two best characters in my opinion. We're we're introduced to Midnight Mark later on, um, a little bit outside of, of uh meeting everyone else. And uh he's just a he's just a character that's just kind of there for comedic purposes. Um but he's great. He he has a bunch of great moments that we'll talk about. But uh and then we're introduced to Bob, and it's so funny how no one knows who Bob is because he he hosts like the he's the DJ for like three a.m. to six a.m. and uh, he's been on the ship for seven months, which also makes no sense because of of a plot point that we learn later. But everyone's just meeting them for the first time. Then, what's the um, plot point we learn later? That Bob is his dad. Well, yeah, but that doesn't mean any of the other people would have just met him. No, no, no. But what I mean by that is that if he... How would Emma Thompson know about him being on the ship if he was only on the ship for seven months? You well, know what Bi- I'm saying? Well, Bill Nye wasn't in that scene, so Bill Nye knew he was there, but all the other people didn't know he was there because he worked, what, 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. when they were all either... You know, probably asleep or drinking. Uh, okay, so you're you're saying that Bill Nye is like longtime friends with Bob, and that's how they all three know each other, and that's how she knew he was on the ship because it probably was like a a plan between Emma Thompson and Bill Nye to like introduce young Carl to his dad, right? Something like that. I guess it just she would have known the information. You know, I I don't. I, I it's not the longest like assumption to make on this. Um, the next scene, which is great, is the count he, when uh, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman is like, all right, we took tons of submissions on what I can do on the air and we've landed on I'm going to say the F word. And he's like, and if you say the F word, nothing actually bad happens. And this is when Bill Nye comes in. He's like, you can't do it. Um, and he's like, and the line is governments loathe people being free, which is is true. Um, and then he's like, OK, we can't do it and plays a song but doesn't turn his mic off. And so they just keep saying fuck over and over and over again. And you don't know what's happened until the other guy says we're on the air. And then you see like the, the audience shots of people listening to the radio throughout, I think is a really good idea. And like, it, it made me think this time watching it like, Oh, they must've like, you just get this random person. You're like, all right, now pretend you just heard someone say the F word. Now pretend you just heard uh, someone just got married. You just heard. You just found out that this DJ that got married, his wife cheated on it. Like you know what I mean? Like that. The filming of that would have been funny, but that that scene my, is great. My favorite um, audience, I guess you would say, audience reaction to every time they cut to random people. Well, first of all, it was a really smart move to cut to like the same like seven or eight random groupings of people because like I, I guess those are like the devout listeners. So like when they show up on the boat. At the end of the movie, it, it it's way more impactful, right? Um, but the best one to me was the secretary of of Kenneth, the politician, right? He, yeah. His character name is Alistair. But anyways, his secretary listening in the beginning, like taking notes on like what all the bad things that they're doing. And then by the end of it, her being like emotionally invested in their journey. It's like... It's a great like she has probably the biggest arc in the entire movie. 
So her name in the movie is Mrs. C. Do you know what Mrs. C stands for? Is Twa- it Twat's a big tw- Nah, and it's close. Twat's a big clue, though. It's Mrs. Clit. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, oh. that was like a inside joke that they... I, it was what was going to be her name, and then they cut that, but obviously the C still stands for her. Um, the next scene is when we find out that the girls come every other Saturday. The fucking thick Kevin's line of, I like having a tiny knob, means I can wear tiny underpants to just Philip Seymour Hoffman. <laughs> Philip Seymour Hoffman. His reaction is <laughs> like, don't know what that means. Didn't didn't understand any of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was great. You know, I we were talking about what they could have added for the f- extra 30 minutes or so that they had for like the... The, the Boat That Rock version versus the Pirate Radio American version. But there's so many like small character moments and there's so many jokes that are genuinely funny, but they also build the character and we as the audience get to like relate or to know them more. Um, but I could imagine that being like one of the jokes that was like cut out, you know? Right. Um I, when the girls do show up, I love Philip Seymour Hoffman's like, do you mind if I call you by the same name? Twins can be confusing as like the <laughs> three or four guys who didn't get a girl to come to them and like the lesbian like just, you know, don't have anyone. I was so confused on on I, I felt like we kept meeting more shipmates that I was like, who's that guy? Who's that guy? And then it occurred to me, it's like, yeah, we meet all the DJs and we know all the DJs. And then there's like the the guy who gives the news and the weather. And then there's the guy who does more like the technical aspect in the studio. But then there's the entire like actual physical crew, like. Um, to run the boat. I was going to say pilot, pilot, piloting the ship. But that's not what you call it when you do it to a ship crew captaining the ship sure okay so there's that crew right and so, and so uh when we meet people from that side of the the boat i'm like i don't even know who that is but then i i caught on right um and then we get probably the scene that aged the worst wasn't great in the meantime um and I was like, gonna say, did it age the worse, or was it just never good? I, I think in the in watching it the first time, I was like, yeah, that's that's not cool. Um, and also, Nick Frost plays like probably as douchiest character I've ever seen. Like, I, I have many things to say in the end about him. Like, so we'll get to that. Um, but he basically has uh, was it Gemma Arch? I, I can never say her last Archinen. Um, she's the girl that comes to see him and he basically tells Carl, oh, we'll turn out the lights and you can sleep with her. And it's played as a funny scene and it is a funny scene if you keep out of your mind that this is basically rape. Um, (laughs) Well, it only works because nothing ever happens and he gets exposed before anything can happen, right? Like if if even the smallest thing, if they went too far in one direction... the characters would almost become irredeemable. Right. Um, and and you're not really supposed to like Nick Frost at all. Like he does the he does these things in this movie that you're just like 
if anyone's like a worse villain than the government, it's Nick Frost's character. But you're actually supposed to like young Carl. And if he went, if he like, you see what I'm saying? If if he did the thing that he was going to do, then it, it would have just been like a pointless, like, we just would not like him. Right. And I mean, I think it, it gets taken out of his hands because he, he was probably going to do it. Like the lights get turned on very quickly. The one line I do love from this is when she's going to dry her hands and Carl's under the towel. And he's like, no, I love a girl with wet hands. She's like, you are weird, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> also too she looks at him like not to like fat shame him but he, he is like the biggest i've ever seen nick frost and she was like you are beefy aren't you and she and he was like am i <laughs> like looks down at himself and then carl is like a third of his size yeah i yeah. don't know how He's i don't know how like, that was supposed to work I, well it wasn't right oh my god yeah i was just like the entire time i was watching this scene unfold i was just like how are they going to retcon this? How are they going to make this right? <laughs> um, but yeah, like you said, he gets exposed and he, and I love uh, the line delivery where he's like, oh, wrong room. Uh, yeah. And then everyone sleeps with everyone except for like you said, like three or four guys and the lesbian. And, yep. and then they, uh, they leave. They leave and they, we meet smooth Bob for the first time. And I love everyone's like, who are you? And he's like, I'm Bob. Um, and they're like, he's like, well, I guess, you know, I'm doing a lot of drugs and they all shake their head like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. And he's like, and you got to listen to the music. You gotta, you gotta stay in it if you're going to give people what they need. And it's like, really like sets up the end when he like, won't leave his records as like the boat is filling with water. And, and all of them are like that too, though. Like diehards that just love music. Right. Yeah. Um, if yeah. my house was burning down, though, I would leave all these DVDs, like, you know, just, they're replaceable. Well, the DVDs aren't. But oh, God. If my, if my house burned down, do you know how many, like, collecting, like, collectibles I'd have to, you know how quickly I would die trying to save all my collectibles? Especially that Elijah Wood poster. Um... There is like, so the British government decides that they're going to make advertising illegal for the pirate radios. And it's like, oh, no, this really big plot point. And then pirate radio is like, oh, we're going to bring Gavin back. And then you go back to the British government. They're like, oh, well, fuck, they're just going to pay from abroad because Gavin's back. It's like, oh, that plot point didn't matter. I do think the way the British government is handled, like they're brought in like every five to ten minutes and they're not actually doing anything because it's like, we really only want them to do something at the very end for like the climax, you know, the build up to the climax, to the ship sinking to it, you know, that. And so it's like the rest of it is just, it's like comedy, but it's like unnecessary, I guess. Like they don't yeah, do I anything. Mean, Nothing happens. No, no, but I, I think it's kind of just fun seeing them try and failing every step. Right. Right. Like that's, that's, that's the entertainment value in it. Right. And then the fact that that one of them is his name is Twat with two T's, and and how uh, how Alistair keeps calling, he's like, "Good job, Twat." No, yeah, definitely. I, he also like he plays a douche in this movie, although he is like a little bit redeemed in the end when he's like, "We need to save them," you know, they're gonna die. And, and Kenneth are you Brown. talking about Twat? Yeah, yeah, Twat. Yeah. But like 
he plays kind of a, an asshole in the Pirates of the Caribbean movies too, right? He's the British yeah. guy who's supposed to marry Keira Knightley. So, um, Gavin shows up. PSH isn't mad about it. Um, and I looked it up. It's Reese is how you pronounce that. Apparently, Reese Ifans is so good in this movie. I'd say like him and PSH are kind of neck and neck, and obviously they're given the parts to be good. Um, but he's so fucking good in this movie. Like when he shows up. Well, they, they made such a big deal about him coming on board and they did the thing where he like slowly rises and the camera slowly pans up. And I was like, Oh, is it played by someone like really fucking famous, like really fucking famous. And then he comes up on the ship and I was like, I have no idea who, who the fuck that is. You clearly it's cause you didn't like football. So you never saw the replacements. With Keanu Reeves and Gene Hackman. That's true. I have never seen that movie. That's we're gonna do that one. My dad like didn't want. <laughs> so the replacements. A little explanation is in football they had the players go on strike, so they brought in scabs. But also the cheerleaders went on strike, so in order to fill the cheerleader spots, they brought in strippers. And so in one of the scenes, they're like dancing very seductively, and my dad's like, "I don't really like you kids watching this movie," and I was like. I've seen a lot at this at this age, Dad. Already, like this is like the least of your worries. Of like, I have a computer in my room, so like, calm down. Um, but that's one we'll do eventually. Yeah, I was watching this thing on on Instagram earlier, and it occurred to me. I was like, you know what? I've never seen The Sixth Sense through and through, like all the way through. That's a good one. Even I mean, I even if you've had it ruined for you. Yeah, obviously, I've had it ruined for me. I, I live in the world. So, um, next Marianne shows up and this is like the thing I kind of want to talk about the most and let's just talk about it all right now. So first all of right, all, let's lay it down. First of all, Bill Nye has brought his niece to bang his godson, which as a sexually progressive rock and roll Brit, I guess makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it's not his daughter. Right, even like, if it was, it seems like he'd be like, "Whatever." He's he's just trying to do a nice thing for uh, Carl. So, and without even shaking her hand or exchanging any pleasantries, Carl leaves the room to go get a condom, which is like, just just wait. So, to talk about the scene, we have to talk about the emotional ups and downs that this scene takes you. Like right. it takes you on a fucking roller coaster because at first you're like, he goes and gets the condom and you're like, oh, okay, well they wouldn't set this up unless he's going to get laid and she's smoking hot. Right. So he, you're like, good for him. And then, uh, Nick Frost comes in to like meet her and he says, oh, no wonder no wonder you you wanted to borrow a condom, and then you know it's just gonna go all downhill, and then it works out for him because he's a good kisser, I guess. And then, well, it wasn't that it was, the, it was he threw away the condom and was like, "I want more than just sex from you," and she's like, "Oh, well, then now you get sex because you wanted more than sex." Um, I thought that, yeah, okay, I guess. The one thing I just... My favorite line in the entire movie is from Gavin when he goes and gets the second condom because David Frost is like, oh, I don't have another one, which is total bullshit, obviously. Or maybe not. Maybe it even... Maybe Frost is even a worse person than we thought. Um, And he goes to Gavin and he's like, 
hey, and when you're done with it, run it under the tap, rinse it out, use it again. <laughs> yeah, every, everyone in this in this ship is <laughs> has their bad qualities about him. Um, yeah, but but the, but when he goes back and she's not there. There's this editing choice that he like turns around in slow motion and it's like his his voice is like echoed. It's like, no, no, no. <laughs> and then he opens Nick Frost's room to find naked Marianne. And yeah, which is where I it's like it doesn't it almost just like doesn't make sense. She does. We, she, it is established that she's like a fan of Dave's who plays Nick, who's played by Nick Frost. Yeah, but, but he's like, not, like, fucking making the music. And, like, he said, I'll be right back. So it's like, why are you hiding? Like, you were obviously going to get caught. And then, at the end of it, day at the end of the movie, Dave's like, I feel bad because I slept with your girlfriend twice. Okay, three times, if you count that. So it's like, she slept with him, was in the middle of fucking him, Gets caught, feels bad about it. Carl leaves. She finishes, and then sleeps with him again, and then sleeps with him again, all in the one night. Unless then, he's like a two two pump uh, Tim, and he had sex with her the three times in the minute and a half that he went to go get the condom. A two pump Tim. <laughs> A two-pump Tim. Only because I couldn't think of another name that began with T. It's a two-pump chump. It rhymes. <laughs> I wanted I wanted to give him a name, okay? It was alliteration over rhyming for me, okay? Oh, my like, God. Li- leave me the fuck alone. Jesus. He's a two-pump Tim. <laughs> anyway, so then, that all of that is like, I don't know about you, and I don't, just to make this clear, there's no issue with Marianne sleeping with whoever she wants. But then, don't come back to me <laughs> weeks later and be like, I made a mistake. Because no, Marianne, you didn't make a mistake. You did it three times. Maybe the first time was a mistake, but the next two? Do This is the question. Do you take Marianne back? Okay, so Marianne is played by Tallulah, Tallulah Riley, right? Yeah. So yes, of course you take Marianne back. <laughs> Did you know that Tallulah Riley? Um, I think he, she used to be married to Elon Musk. <laughs> he's been married to like everybody. It's just like yeah, he's been that's involved true. With everybody. Um, yeah. I I can't. Here's the thing. Like maybe you take no. I just it, no. It just doesn't make sense. Like, just I can't <laughs> be with. So upset about this. I just can't be with someone who's that stupid. Because it's like, I'm gonna. How many more times am I gonna catch you cheating on me? Right? And it's like they weren't together. But it's like, I mean, come on. What do you like? You just said go get a condom, and in the midst of me finding a condom, you fuck another dude. I I, I agree with you. Uh, he. Okay, I just looked it up. So Tallulah Riley was married to Elon Musk from 2010-2012. And it looks like they got a divorce and then they remarried between 2013 and 2016. I just... And then, I have no problem with him sleeping with her. Because it's like, you know what? Why not? But then you find out 
after that that she fucked Dave three times. And presumably, after she got caught by you, she didn't even feel bad and fucked him two more times. Wait, when did we learn that? At the end, Dave reaches down and saves Carl and Bob from drowning. He's like, I feel bad because I slept with your girlfriend twice. Okay, three times. Unless he's a two-pump Tim. And he did it all in the minute and a half that he went to go get a condom. Also, I don't, I don't think he has the ability to recover to do it two bit times. So let's just presume that she got caught and slept with this guy two more times. She is a bad person. That's my whole point. Marianne is a bad person. Carl can and should do better. Okay. Thank you. All right. You're welcome. But Tallulah, Rogers, Tallulah Riley is very hot. I agree with that. So, uh, Moving on, uh, I, the scene where uh, Chwat goes to uh, Kenneth Branagh is like, oh, we have them. There was a fishing boat that uh, issued a distress signal and um, they couldn't be heard because of pirate radio. And Kenneth Branagh is like, that's awesome. Did the fishermen die? No, they lived. Ah, ah, too bad. Like, the willingness to have people die to just get the thing you want is so government. Is, is so government. Um, there, There's a lot of mention of, like, different uh, metaphors between, like, every time the government officials talk. There's rope mentioned a couple times in a different context, and and when Twat goes up to Kenneth and he's like, "Oh, the, the, we you know we don't have them or something like that," um, it's like, "But what's better than that is a noose." I think what you said they were looking for a loophole is what they're looking a for. A loophole, that's what it is. A loophole. He's, he's like, like, "Oh, could, we don't I have a loophole." I didn't find a loophole, but I may have found a noose, and it was the fisherman. Yeah, and then he said, "Oh." I and love rope. The scene where uh, Twat and the 200 fans get on the boat is hilarious. One for like when <laughs> Bill Nye is like, why are there's like a lot of people missing here? And then he goes into Mark's room and it's just like, this is only in the British version, but just 40 or 50 naked women in there. So it's, it's a great scene for many reasons, obviously. And um, also when Bill Nye, he finds Twat down in like the brig of the ship or whatever i don't know ships um and he's like what are you he's like oh i'm sorry the door was uh you know i got lost he's like well i don't see how that's possible seeing as how the door said do not enter and he's like i'm a pretty good judge of people and i think you're a twat (laughs) and just screams at him to get out is is a great scene the uh the dj angus um played by reese darby yeah played by reese darby is um it's, it's two Reese's. Must be a popular British name. Reese's um, uh Reese Darby's from New Zealand. Must be a popular English name co- that colonizes other countries. Nice. Except we were like, fuck that. We'll spell it different. <laughs> uh <laughs> so Angus looks into the sea of naked women that Mark is surrounded by. <laughs> yep. And he's like, and he's like, hey, any of you want to come to my room? <laughs> and, and, and they do like the most disgusted face. And then he like points to a, a woman in the back. He's like, how about you in the back? And she's like, Ugh, no, 
Yeah, it's great. He he is so funny. I actually saw him like do stand up one time um, in Bonnaroo. He's hilarious. Um, so next we get the scene where Chris O'Dowd, who plays Simon, is getting married to January Jones, who looks when I saw great when I saw movie. January Jones, I had a look. I had to look it up. I was like, no way is that January Jones? And then it is. It is. It is. I think every possible British person they could get for this. Um, I love the line from Simon when he when like he's like, "Yep, my wife is calming on the boat," and um, the Felicity, who's a lesbian, on he's like, "Hands off, you lesbian!" <laughs> to her for no reason. Um, and then they do the stag, which is just like a very funny montage set to music, and there's nothing really of importance uh, in it. But I love that scene, too. It's fun. Um, I do have to say, you know January Jones is American. I don't care. Okay. As I was saying it, I was like, I'm pretty sure she's fucking American. But I was like, I'll just keep going. (laughs) Yeah, I mean... I was very confident, too. And I was just like, I'm going to say it. And whatever. (laughs) Moving on. (laughs) So, yeah, I think, you know what, honestly... The stag party, as we were talking about it, is probably the biggest thing that was cut from the American version. I don't know for sure, but I feel like if anything was, I mean, there's 30 minutes of that movie gone, right? And I feel like that had been it, but it's actually one of my favorite parts of the movie. Um, It has like so many funny things, but then the, like the follow up to the next day where the interaction between young Carl and thick Kevin, where Carl is like, Oh, I think I had too much to drink. And that's when you get the line from thick Kevin. He's like, actually you put a couple in me and I become quite smart. (laughs) Sharpens my mind. And then that's where the conversation where, uh, where Kevin thinks that the only reason Carl is put on board this ship is not to like get rehabilitated from his like bad behavior because like I mentioned that that makes no fucking sense, but is to be reunited with his father. How he words it is weird too. He's like, he's like, oh, you're supposed to be reunited like uh, a man or how do you say a boy of your age? It's a good time to be reunited with his father. I was like, (laughs) seventeen. Okay. (laughs) Well, you needed to happen some point. And then we get to the wedding, and I think this is done really well. There's, like, one shot where you've shown Gavin, uh, Risa Fons, kind of gives a look when he knows it's January Jones of, like, ah, fuck, really? Um, and it's also very sad for Simon. I What's interesting, I didn't remember that she was, like, I met Gavin a week before you... And he wouldn't marry me, but he said, oh, you know, the only way you can get on the ship is to marry someone. So she's like, so I chose you. Um, And I was like, Chris O'Dowd plays a very, like, good, sad sack in this. Like, someone who you just feel really horrible for. Well, his acting in that scene when she's breaking him the news and his eyes just become this, like, like sad. But it, they go from, like like willfully trying to hold it together. <laughs> uh, and he just, he's great in this. Also, like, she's like, uh, we will be having sex right next door. So you may hear us. And he's just like, 
how could you be so cruel? The next bit is so funny because Philip Seymour Hoffman has been waiting for a reason to get Gavin, right? And this is just like, <laughs> as he says later yeah. when they're climbing up things, like, I don't even like Simon. <laughs> um, you know, actually, if you notice, um, the the way that young Carl gets over Marianne because of what Nick Frost did, and then this, in the same way Simon gets over um, January Jones because of what Gavin did, is through, like, it's through the other people on the board trying to cheer them up, but ultimately it's through music. And I think that's another thing that they always try to bring this back through, like, the power and healing of rock and roll. Honestly, every fucking song in this is a banger. No, there's no filler. All killer. Um, I The scene, too, where he's, like, when, when uh, the Count is, like, questioning Gavin, he's like, listen, I told her it's not on, and I made her leave. Like, I don't really see how this is my fault. And then Simon is like, okay, but did you have sex with her? He's like, just one little pop. Thought it was the least I could do. They're all just like, oh, come on, man. But it was the morning that she left, too. That's the thing, is that... In his defense, though, who among us? No, no, no. I, I, I know, man. They have some... Yeah, they pulled some very attractive women for this film. Yeah, uh, yeah, they they did. Um, Philip Seymour Hoffman declares war, and it's the game of chicken, which is one of the funniest scenes in the movie. <laughs> like how out of shape Philip Seymour Hoffman seems as they're climbing up, and then he like starts to back out, and and this is fucking Gavin's like, I smell, I smell chicken. Zoom in on Philip Seymour Hoffman's eyes as they narrow, and then he gets the will to keep going. Um, I I want to know how they shot this scene. Do they use stunt doubles? Was this CGI? Is it a green screen? Uh, obviously, they didn't jump from the ship's mast into the North Ocean, but that's how Robert Shaw would have never. Done it. I love the realism in that too, because jumping <laughs> jumping into like from that height, it's not just like you jump into like what feels like a box of cotton balls, right? It feels and like it's, cement. It's, it feels like cement. And especially the way they did it, it's like feet first. So the fact that after they both jump in and it's like this joyous moment, it's cut to them both back in the studio, and then you realize with Philip Seymour Hoffman, he broke like a whole arm and half of his face is bashed. And then I love the reveal of, like, Gavin, his whole leg is just shattered. Yeah. Well, and two, like, they make it seem at first as if nothing's wrong with him. But then, like, the way he kind of makes up a Simon and Simon smiles. Um, There was, like, some of my favorite lines, though, in them climbing up. First of all, Philip Seymour Hoffman saying, hope she was worth it. And uh, Gavin's like, she definitely was. And then (laughs) Bill Nighy, as they're climbing up, he's like, all he did was have sex with someone's wife. Like, what are we doing here? And finally, <laughs> Philip Seymour Hoffman, as he's trying to climb over, is like, why am I so fucking fat? <laughs> this, like, makes me die laughing. <laughs> oh, man. And then right after this, too, the like, when they throw Reese Darby into the ocean, and uh, or into the sea, <laughs> Philip Seymour Hoffman's line of, like, 
oh, you throw a baby in it, it naturally floats. It's a beautiful thing. Like, I thought this would be like that. It was so good. Like, it almost seemed like ad-libbed. <laughs> I, I was really worried at the end of the movie when the ship was sinking, if they were just going to forget about the whole part where, where Angus can't swim and the fact that uh, that they they took that into account, I really appreciated. Like the movie pays attention to itself, you know. Right. Another like small gaming scene that I think is hilarious was the Never Have I Ever scene, where they do it. The, oh like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The first one, like I've never had a fantasy about a member of the royal family because Philip Seymour Hoffman's like the only American there besides January Jones. My apologies. Um, and then the lesbian never had sex with a man, and they're all like, they all raise their hands. She's like, oh shoot, didn't think that one out. Except for Reese Darby, who's like, you know, I was in camp. We've all done, who hasn't done it? And they're all like, well, well, all of us. We just didn't raise our hands. Um, but the funniest one is like how specific Gavin's is. Like, I've never been in bed with the love of my life, and tried to fart, and it wasn't a fart, and I shit the bed. And Nick Frost's face as he's saying it, just like, you motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) And then the follow-up to that joke is when Gavin's on the radio and he's like, so we're not going to tell him that I told you, I told all of you guys the poop joke. (laughs) Or the poop, the poop scenario. Mm. Uh, What is Nick Frost's character name? I always forget. It's Dave. That's what you thought Carl's name was. Okay. Uh, the mom shows up and there she shows up for Christmas. We get the whole Bob, tell your mom money's waters rocks. I love this Christmas juxtaposed with Kenneth Branagh's Christmas and some incredible casting on Kenneth Branagh's wife, who is the most British looking human being I've ever seen in my life. (laughs) And then when they do like the cracking thing and like, the the popping thing and she's like this as they pop it and she's like oh oh my I think that's enough for the like she's just like she's gonna have a heart attack <laughs> the uh the line where Bob tells him you know say this to your mom um I knew right then and there I I don't know if like first time you watching this like you knew right then and there, but as I was like, they wouldn't put this like meaningless interaction between them unless if he was his father, you know? No. Yeah. I think, I think that's obvious. I mean, I saw it 13 years ago, so I don't remember, but um, as I said, that's like the perfect person to play the mom. And I love at the end when she, he tells her that line and she's like, he didn't tell you, did she, did he? And she's like, what? Oh, you slept with Bob. When did you sleep with Bob? And she's like, how old are you? And he tells yeah. her, and she's like, oh, nine months more than that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Which is, like, honestly, he was very upset that it was Bob, and she tried to explain to him that he was, like, a very attractive man back then. Let me tell you, out of all of the men on that ship, Bob is the best-case scenario to be your father. Yeah, it just seems cool. It's just, like, chill, right? I mean... Yeah, Bill, Bill Nye is not bad. Dave's the worst, um, clearly. But it's not going to be Dave, and it's and like Kevin said, it's obviously not him. It could be that dude who like runs the ship, the guy whose name we don't ever hear. Uh, it could be that guy. 
Could be that guy. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> he tells Bob that he's his dad, and Bob's just like, oh, well, shit. I don't know. What to... He basically doesn't know what to say at that moment, but then it's like, I was like, I thought this was a sweet moment, but then we sort of get a sweet moment later with them, um, which is cool. The The British government then outlaws pirate radio, and I was just like, I, I mean, as crappy as the British government can be, you can't outlaw something that's like outside of your jurisdiction. I thought that was the whole point of pirate radio, and I was like, so you can't just straight up make something illegal that you don't have any control over. So I actually looked it up, and what they did in real life was they outlawed anybody providing goods or services to the pirates from Britain, which does create mm. like a very logistical problem for them. So that was what the, what happened in real life, and then some of the ships did have to close down. But I read other ships like stayed active until the eighties. So you know, yeah. Well, I mean, like even in the movie, even when they were like quote-unquote forced to shut down it was just like um i love that scene too where they pretended to shut down yeah and uh all the all the politicians were like in celebration and stuff and then they were like just kidding motherfuckers and everyone else cheers and and they're so upset and um well Kenneth oh, that's start- what that, that's Kenneth- what yeah Kenneth Brunner starts taking the drinks back he's like these are celebratory drinks we can't celebrate anymore <laughs> I love the the running. I don't know if it's a running joke or a gag or what what you would call it. But um, every time Kenneth thinks things are going his way, and then every time those things are like retcon, like pulled back, he's like a noose, my ass. He's like <laughs> my ass. He just says ass, ass. Yeah, that's no, good. <laughs> I also, one of my favorite lines is like uh, from Philip Seymour Hoffman. It made me so proud of, I'm an American citizen and I don't care about your limey British laws. It's like, I'm going to do what I want. <laughs> and then yeah. Mark, Mark stands up and continues his saying nothing, but everyone knows that means he's in too, which is really funny. And also Reese like standing up, he's like, after Philip Seymour Hoffman said he was going to continue to play, he's like, I don't know, sounds a little boring and repetitive. I guess I'll have to stay too. Um, yeah, that whole scene is, is great. And then Marianne comes back. Ah, fucking bitch. I'm just saying, like, you know, you sleep with her, that's fine. But this can't be the woman you marry, Carl. Like, you have to have more respect for yourself, someone that respects you. I do like the radio station, like, standing outside. I think is hilarious. And then they're like, just tell us if you had sex. And remember, I'm not answering that question. Is a yes? And he's like, I'm not going to answer that question. And, like... And, like the fact that like the entire like Britain population that's listening to this starts cheering and is happy for Carl, like it just it makes the movie better to me. Like this, like that they're all in it together. I think is really cool. Yeah. And then and then the lesbians come out in the other room. Also hilarious. Honestly, when the lesbians um, had sex, I felt like that was a more triumphant moment than Carl having sex. I I felt so bad for her because like she's. The only woman on this ship full of dudes. She's a lesbian. And I think from from like what we learn about her is that she's never had like a relationship with a woman. Um so she's like not just sexually deprived, but she's just like deprived of like that special connection. So like when she found someone, I was like, I don't know, I was way happier for her. Than I ever gave a shit about Marianne and Carl. 
Well, Marianne's getting it all the time, so you don't have to worry about Marianne. That's um, true. They, I like when they, uh, when Bill Nye's like, "Oh, I got an idea," and they move the ship, and then the fishing ship goes in their spot, and like the government comes up there, and there's nothing happened. But then, like, so they set sail, and then like immediately start sinking, and like from here on, there's like 30 minutes left in the movie, and like they're starting to sink, and Bill Nye immediately is like. Don't worry, the government won't actually let us die. And it's like, oh, yes, they will. My favorite line in that whole sequence is um, when Bill Nye is like, I have good news and I have bad news. Is like, the good news is, is that we're all going to die. It's like, how's that the good news? What's the bad news? It's like, I didn't tell you how we're going to die. It's like, well, how are we going to die? It's like, we're going to drown in the cold, freezing ocean. Right. And they all are in this one area and then they're like, What's who's on the radio? And uh they're like, Oh, it's silent and Philip Seymour Hoffman's like, Well fuck that and like goes and starts playing. We get the scene where he finds Bob, uh Carl finds his dad Bob and like brings him to the surface. We already talked about that. But I like the callback when they're all gonna start going to the top of the ship and uh Gavin's like, Yeah, you know, we should probably head up there and he's like, Okay. Chicken <laughs> and Gavin's like laughs and is like Okay, but I'm really leaving. And then the other guy uh, leaves, like looks at him. He's like, "Harold is his name in the movie." He's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm, 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 I'm gonna go." There's two parts of this scene that that um, I won't say I like. Well, I like one of these. So the the part that I really thought was funny is when uh, Carl goes to get Bob, right? And that's when he's like, "I'm gonna get my dad," and that's like the whole like everyone takes that really well. I don't know. I wish that was kind of more of a a reveal that everyone kind of stewed in for a little bit longer, but he goes and gets Bob and then Bob is difficult about leaving all his records behind. He chooses one record. He finally gets it to the surface and Nick Frost is just like, "Ugh!" it's like, what? He's like, this is shit and throws it back in to the water. And I was like, Oh my God, they almost fucking died because of that record. And it's just all for not hilarious. So that that really works. The other thing, too, is that as soon as you realize everyone else is going to be saved, you realize, A, either Philip Seymour Hoffman is going to live, which kind of takes out the the urgency of you thinking like, oh, maybe he's he's dead. Or two, if he dies, his death is meaningless because it it's not necessary for him to die. So for me, I was like, I don't know. I, I think kind of faking out his death was pointless. Yeah, it, it didn't need to be done. And I never, I remember watching it again. I was like, I know he doesn't die. Um, and it wouldn't have, like, you can't end a, such a joyous movie about the love of music on like a, a death that doesn't need to happen and probably didn't happen in real life. Um, exactly. If you were exactly. trying to if you're trying to make it more dramatic and it's something that really happened, you could do it. But yeah, otherwise, yeah, it's not gonna happen. Um also before they get rescued, with a couple of lines is one, they're like, Mark, what's your secret? He's like, just say nothing. And they're like, What? It's like, yeah, just say nothing. And then when the tension gets high enough, uh just say, uh, how about it then? And they're all just like, How about it then? What the <laughs> Um the uh I guess the last joke of the of the film is when all the boats are coming to save them and they all jump in the water to to be rescued. 
there's a boat that says anyone but Angus. <laughs> I thought that was just cruel. Well, I like Simon's too. He's like, oh, there's a boat. There's two boats. And they're like, are there more than three boats? He's like, it's ever so slightly more than three boats. I think it's called a fuck ton of boats. And then they're like, it's cool because like they do like, once again, why Philip Seymour Hoffman couldn't die in this is because you have like a boat there for Angus, for some woman who's in love with Angus, a boat there for Simon, for someone who loves Simon. Like everyone has their boat of like these people that love their specific DJ. Um, it's like it just like you you can't have the sadness with that ending. But I you know, and then Philip Seymour comes up and just like rock and roll. It's just like you know, <laughs> classic. There's a there's a joke in there somewhere where each boat is its own fan club, right? Of like the specific like they they ship them, right? That's that's the joke. Yeah, possibly. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. I end this on such a downer. <laughs> The the uh, the brief explanation about what happens to like rock radio afterwards and like we see like a, a whole bunch of albums. I thought that was cool. I thought that was a cool way to end it. Right. Well, too. And there's like a little bit of like uh, a little bit of like jokes here and there. Too. Nick Frost at one point when he, he's talking to Penelope is like, or sorry, Felicity. It's just like, yeah, if you weren't a lezer, <laughs> like she'd want him, right? Um, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, maybe I, everyone seems to. So maybe, shockingly, shockingly, so fucking Marianne, man. I uh, love this movie. I, I haven't watched it in a good bit, and so rewatching it again it was really like just enjoyed it. It's you know, I think it's got a cool story. It's like got this historical bent to it of something I didn't know about, and like the music is so great. And I just think it's hilarious, honestly. Like, all of these British people are so funny in it. British, New Zealander, Philip Seymour Hoffman's American. You get what I'm saying? Like, it's just all so great. Um, I love it. I agree with you. And, you know, everything happens for a reason. And so I think the reason I was never uh, able to see this movie when it first came out, even though I wanted to, I'm glad I saw it now and, and we're able to talk about it. Because uh, if I saw it back then, we'd, we'd never been able to do this film and to talk about it to, like, such an extent. Uh, but sa- same thing with uh, Inherent Vice, too. Same thing happened to me. It's just the marketing. is It has a lot to do with, like, the film, whether it's good or not. And this film just so happens to be great. Uh, let me ask you one final question. Um, if your last name was Twat, would you change it? Wear it proud. Like, I'd get, you know, my last name emblazoned on stuff. Just have people like, that's ridiculous that you would wear that out. And I'd be like, that's my surname, you cunt. (laughs) Well, thanks for listening to another episode of I Finally Watched. This is David. And this is Alon. And I finally watched The Boat That Rocked.